0: God's Word. If you need a Bible, please raise your hand. Please raise your hand. We are in Galatians. We started Galatians 11 months ago, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and God willing, today, we're going to finish. And so now, we're going to be in verse 6 through the end of the chapter. The last two times I've been in Galatians, I tried to get through verse six through the end of the chapter, and both times in my preparation, I got hung up on just really just a verse and wound up spending, changing my mind and just doing the whole sermon about that verse or a couple after. So verse six starts let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. But then when I got to verse seven, which says, do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will reap. I spent a whole message on that about a month ago that's on the website But then when I, uh, the next time I prepared to do all these verses, I got to verse 14 which says, God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So I got hung up on that, so the whole message was about that and so I I didn't start in verse six. I didn't move to the end of the chapter. Today, I'm gonna go through all the verses, most of them at a fairly good clip. And I'm gonna spend most of my time on one verse, verse 17, which says, from now on, let no one trouble me. For I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, thanking you for this this book, which just shouts out grace, which shouts out grace to us, Lord, and how we need it. Father, the world knows karma, which is basically verse eight of this chapter or verse seven, whatever man sows, he'll reaps, but the earth, the world does not know grace. Getting what we don't deserve, deserving a punishment and getting a reward. Oh, how we need to feed off of that, Lord. please, Teach us about your grace. Just make us all grace-aholics, Lord. We are, been all kinds of aholics in this room. I that that would be cast aside if it wasn't already years ago. Make us grace-aholics, people who feed off of your grace every day, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you may be seated. Okay, so we're gonna make it today, finishing up Galatians. Again, verse six says, let him who is taught the word share in all things with him who teaches. So who is it who is taught the word? Who is that? Us. That's right, I heard us. It's you. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. I began this year with three consecutive messages. I'm giving the first fruits of what we earn to the Lord. on tithing after having done 20 years and only teaching on it once and being profoundly convicted that I ripped you all off. So those messages are, on, are online, but how important it is to be rich financially towards God. Money has a way of wrapping its way around our hearts and hardening our hearts. You know, the Bible says in Hosea, my people, this is God speaking, are destroyed for lack of knowledge. But in the Psalms, it says, the righteousness of God, which comes by the teaching of the word, exalts a nation. And for that reason, so important that you're rich towards the Lord, particularly in this time in this country. There's so much prosperity. Prosperity will kill your faith. That money will wrap around your heart. This word says, Give, let him who is taught the word, that means all of us, share in all good things with him who teaches. Who teaches? Well, I do. We are, are in a church filled with teachers. They're teaching in the Sunday school right now. They're teaching in um, meetings throughout the, uh, the week. Um, and, and it's through the word of God that we are built up, that our city is built up, that our country is built up. We were just in the book of Ezra in the Old Testament where we see this amazing thing where um, Jerusalem is in shambles. They had already uh, built the temple but they didn't have folks to give the word of God and Ezra comes in fully financed. He came in, uh, the Jews just gave richly to that man and that contingent to go in and teach the word of God. So verse six, let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Then verse seven says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Are any of you mocking God today by your lives? For whatever a man sows, that he will reap. If you throw out poison ivy seeds, you'll get poison ivy. If you throw out wheat seed, you'll get wheat. (coughs) Verse 8, for he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. So don't be deceived, he says. So, so verse 8, where it says, for he who sows to the flesh, that's tied directly to the previous chapter. That's why we read chapter by chapter, verse by verse at Calvary Chapel, which says in verse 19 of chapter 5, the works of the flesh are evident adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies. If you sow to the flesh, if you're sowing any of those things in your life, meaning if you're doing it to, you better believe it, you're gonna reap it. But then it says at the end of verse eight, but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. Now, what verse is that tied to in chapter 5? That's right, 22. says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life. Don't think of that as heaven. You will get life now. You will see the uh, you will reap a harvest in this life uh, uh, you will reap a harvest of life of eternal life in your life and and your life will be reproducing life in the lives of others I've seen my wife Stephanie, sowing for years and years by the spirit verse twenty two love joy peace long suffering kindness with our kids and 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 it's just incredible to see where all of five of my children are with the Lord. You will reap eternal life. You sow in the spirit, you'll reap in the spirit. It goes on to say, verse 9, let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so when we're sowing, whatever that is, if you're sowing in Sunday school or worship or as a mother or as a father or as an evangelist, you, 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 by faith you continue, don't lose heart. And in time it says, you will reap a harvest. Verse 10, therefore, if as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, Especially to those who are of the household of faith. The Bible does say God so loves the world. So there's a love that God has for the world. But then the Bible says that Jesus, Titus chapter 2, raises up a people zealous for good works to be the bride of Christ, the church. And so it says, especially do good to those who are the household of faith. Take care of your brothers and sisters in Christ. Doesn't mean that that you, whatever, kick dirt in the face of everyone else. No, that's crazy. We're supposed to be people of love to every stranger that you come in part with. But even as Jesus, it says that he cherishes and he nourishes the bride of Christ, the church, This verse is saying, so do you. Verse 11 is kind of an unusual verse. It says, see with what large letters I have written to you with my own hand. And so Paul had an eye affliction some sort of disease of the eye, we saw earlier a reference to that in chapter four, verse 15. So he is not the one literally writing out this letter, but what he did, because there was a lot of fakes going around at the time, different books or letters supposedly written by Paul and others, he said, you will see the sign of my own writing. And in Thessalonians, it says it'll be this case in every letter that is authentic. So he's sort of writing his signature in verse 11 with real large letters because there's some kind of eyesight issue that he had so he couldn't write in small letters. So that's the apostle Paul identifying his letters. Verse 12, And as many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh these would compel you to be circumcised only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. So Paul had come into the region of Galatia and he had spoken to the Jews about Jesus Christ and faith in Jesus Christ and that alone plus nothing It's not Jesus Christ plus going to church. It's not Jesus Christ plus tithing. It's not Jesus Christ plus reading your Bible. Those things are good, but it's only the blood of Jesus by whom you were purchased that you're saved. And it says in Acts chapter 13, when Paul originally told this church who he is writing to, the church of Galatia, it says, they rejoiced to hear this news circumcision and all the rest of the laws, including those pilgrimages that had to be done every year. You had to bring your, uh, every Jewish male 18 and above had to travel, had to pick up and travel to Jerusalem. And that was required by law. Paul said, no longer, Christ has fulfilled it. Now it's simply faith in Jesus Christ plus nothing. There was much rejoicing. Paul leaves to start another church some men come in and say, Well, that's good that you believe in Jesus, but you also have to be circumcised. Paul says here in verse 12, they do it only um, so they do not have to uh, suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. Verse 13 says, For not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that, that, that they may boast. In your flesh, meaning that uh, what they were really looking for was a following, an audience. They didn't really care about the people, they just wanted to count. Look how many converts we have over to really what was their own little religion. And, and this is, uh, happens every day out on the streets when we don't know the word of God. The Bible says we'll be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And, and so these people were coming in. You gotta be circumcised to be saved. And Paul's saying, no, that is not the case. Case, that's not grace. That's not faith in Jesus. The, w- Jesus uh, went out. He's the son of God. The Bible says he created the entire universe. He, w- w- what, what did we say? A hundred billion, billion stars. And then he, he created everything, the Bible says. And then he came to earth out of love for you, went up on a cross had iron stakes ripped through his body, tore through his body for your sin, and you're going to try to add circumcision to that. Or helping a lady across the street. Or giving money. Or being nice. No, Jesus paid it all. That's what the book of Galatians is about. And then that's why he says in verse 14, we spent a whole Sunday on this, but God forbid that I should boast... And what did we say was the substitute word for boast? Anyone remember? Glory. God forbid that I should glory. Except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. So, so, so that was what was purchased, the grace that was purchased on the cross. When we start understanding what Jesus Christ did, the world is like it's crucified, ugly, torn apart, dying on the cross. It no longer has an attraction to us. The world's been crucified to me. And then he says, and I to the world. It's, it's as if now... You, if you've accepted Jesus, you're on the cross. You've left the world, and now the world looks at you as it looked to Jesus Christ. It says, they turn their face away. Isaiah 53. It says, God forbid that I should glory. Except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For in Christ Jesus, verse 15, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, meaning it doesn't accomplish anything for you, but only a new creation. The Bible says that anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. Oh, get louder with me, Calvary Chapel. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has. Oh right, okay. So he says, look, you're getting circumcised? What's that? That means nothing. God, through his grace and by the Holy Spirit, brings on a brand new creation. Anyone who in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone, the new is come. It says in verse 16, and as many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God or upon the the, the Israel. The Bible says that we have been grafted into Israel, meaning uh, we now um, are, are, are the, the Israel rejected Jesus, uh, The the Bible says, and then it says that after Israel rejected Jesus, it went to the Gentiles and we're now called the Israel of God. Now, does Israel have a unique purpose in God's um, order, including the future? Yes, the nation of Israel does, but we've been grafted in. Verse 17 says, and this is where we're gonna spend most of the rest of our time. From now on, let no one trouble me. For I bear on my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. So the NASB says this. It says, from now on, let no one cause trouble for me. For I bear on my body the brand marks of Jesus. So that word, marks there in chapter 6 verse 17 it, it 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 what it refers to is that brand that is used to mark cattle with a mark of its owner so at the and at the time of this writing of this letter it was used to mark a slave with a mark or the symbol or the initials Of his or her her owner. And so Paul here considers himself a slave of Jesus Christ. He calls himself that in Romans chapter one, verse one. His reference here to slavery, this is a clear reference to slavery here. I bear on my body the brand, same brand that a slave has to Jesus Christ. And it was a, a reference to slavery as it existed in the Roman Empire. Slavery which existed among the Jews, Pastor Eric talked about it about a month ago, in which an impoverished Jew could sell himself to another Jew and was required by law to be freed after six years. That's not what he's referring to. No, he is talking about a very different kind of slavery in which you were purchased from a third-party slave trader and in which you were a slave till you die. With this kind of slavery, it was not uncommon there in Rome, the Roman Empire, for a red hot iron to be placed on the body of a slave, permanently marking them with a brand mark Again, with a letter or symbol which indicated who or she was owned by. A slave belonged absolutely 100% to his master. He was the possession of his master. The master would do whatever he wanted with the slave, whatever task the master wanted the slave to do, the slave had to do it. If the master wanted to give the slave something, he would give it to him. But if whatever the master wanted to take away from the slave, he could take it away. The master had complete control over the slave's relationships, and so he wanted to take away a family member, gone, take away a friend, gone. If he wanted, um, if, if the master wanted the slave to go, the slave had to go. If the master wanted to end the slave's life, the master could end the slave's life. No consequences. now, as it applies to relations between a man and a man, there can hardly be anything more evil than the institution of slavery. As it existed in Roman times, and as it existed in this country par- prior to the Civil War, however, when it applies to relation, to the relation between God and man and God and you. There's nothing more liberating in all the world. There's nothing more freeing, there's nothing more beautiful, there's nothing more powerful to a man or woman than to be a slave of Jesus Christ. Paul says, I bear Jesus' brand mark on my body. You say beautiful. Now, how can that be beautiful? Because God so loved you, he purchased you. Just like those slaves in Rome. He purchased you. He so loved you that he purchased you with his own life. Matthew Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, says this, This is Jesus himself speaking, said the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom, meaning a payment for many. He purchased you. Jesus purchased you. That's how much he loved you. And he loves you. You were purchased, which means this. God owns you. Jesus owns you. He can do whatever he wants with you. Whatever task the Lord has for you, you must do it. If he wants uh, to give you something, you will get it. If he wants to take it away, he will take it away. If he wants to remove a friend or even a family member from your life, he will. Wherever he wants you to go, you have to go there. And and, And when he asks you... For whatever thing that you do, the Lord has absolute authority over your life. There's no place for self will. No, you can't claim rights. You, can't, uh, you gave them up when you made him your master. Uh, you, you, you owe absolute obedience and submission to Jesus Christ. Paul, again, was a slave. Of Jesus Christ. That's why he says, I bear on me the brand of my master, Jesus Christ. Again, Romans chapter one, verse one, uh, um, Paul says this. And do we have that, uh, John? Romans one, one. Paul, slave of Jesus, the Christ. That's how Romans uh, begins. And And so the same thing is with you. But the question is, are you a runaway slave? Are you a runaway slave? Do we have runaway slaves in this room? If so, if you're running away, just stop that. You're running away from absolute liberty absolute freedom turn around and run back to your master so again Paul can we have John the, the verse in, in, in Galatians chapter 6 verse 17 says from now on let no one cause trouble for me for I bear on my body the brand marks Of Jesus in the case of Paul the brand marks that had that he had on them they were actual physical marks on his body scars in 2nd Corinthians 11 23 through 25 he tells you and me how he got them so 2nd Corinthians 11 23 and 20 through 25, he says, Are they servants of Christ? Meaning, these people who were slandering him and attacking him. He is forced to defend himself to the Corinthian church. He says, Are they servants of Christ? Far, see, he says, I'm sorry, I left off. I have far more. I have far more imprisonments. I've been beaten times without number, five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes, three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned. That's where he got his branding from Jesus Christ. And Paul didn't despise them. He didn't despise these brand marks. No, they were a reminder. Listen, very important. They were a reminder of the very things that had drawn him near to God closer than he'd ever been in his life, the things that required him to be absolutely dependent on the Lord given over to God. The, these scars, these, this branding that, that Jesus himself had given, it says they were reminders of a time when he went from one level of trust and love and dependence on God to a whole new level of loving the Lord. I am told that warriors... From the army, we have one in the room. Maybe we have more. But when they get a scar, they don't despise it. It's a reminder of something that they did for the country. It's a a reminder. It's a glorious thing in a way. And I'm not saying in a bad way, in a good way. Paul did not despise these scars. They warmed his heart. And again, that's why Paul says again in Galatians chapter 6, 17, he says, let no one cause me trouble for I bear on my body these brand marks, these brandings. He didn't try to cover up the facts, didn't try to hide them. And so Calvary Chapel, I say with all sincerity, Can you say, with Paul, from now on, no one trouble me because I have on my body the brand marks of Jesus Christ. Can you say that? And we we come to church not just to read something new about the Bible. We come to church, you come to church to do business with God. Has your soul been branded with the marks of Jesus Christ. You say, how would I ever be able to say that? I say, because you cut off your hand, you cut off your foot, you plucked out that eye. Jesus says in Mark chapter 9, 43, 45, and 47, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. If it's your eye, pluck it out. You cut off that pornography you were addicted to. You cut off that addiction to your career that was ruining all the relationships in your life. You cut off that relationship with which you knew was destroying your life and was a bad witness. You cut it off and now you have that brand mark of Jesus Christ. Oh man, was that painful. Oh woman, was that painful. But it was like a red it was like a red hot branding iron placed upon you. You were but you were branded with a brand mark of Jesus Christ. You know what I'm talking about. Those of you who have that mark. Some of you are resisting. You're resisting the branding. God wants to brand you. Jesus Christ did just as he branded Paul. He wants you, but you, you don't want. So you go from running from one place to another. or you persist in doing whatever you're doing and bringing shame on the name of God. There is no brand in your life. So you cut off a hand, you cut off a foot, you pluck out an eye. Do people see a physical scar? No. But they see a man or woman who bears the mark someone who's had major surgery on their soul. And, every, and, and some of you know exactly what I mean. I know and I see a man or woman who has the brand, the branding, who's had that red-hot iron and they took it. And now they have the mark, the brand mark of Jesus Christ. Do you have the brand mark of Jesus Christ? Last week, we saw a man, Peter Majid. He was up here, standing where I have. He bears the mark of Christ. He was struck by a deep wound about six months ago, the loss of his wife at a very young age, four kids in the house, small kids. But now a wound has been bound up by God in a way that there's a brand mark of an indescribable beauty in that man's life. If you know this man, you know that this guy has got a a mark of Jesus Christ on his life. Nicole Solomon Has been going into the projects in the inner city for years and years here in Boston. Developing relationship with kids who are starving for love. She, has the bo- the, she bears the marks. The brand marks of Jesus Christ. Don't resist being branded by your Lord. He's doing it because he loves you. He's doing it because you need it. Many of you have lost family members and dear friends because you believe what God tells you to believe and you go where God tells you to go. You say what God tells you to say. You do what God tells you to do. You're a slave of Jesus Christ. You bear the marks of Jesus Christ, the branding. But I tell you, Calvary Chapel, you will bear the brand mark of whatever you worship. If you worship pleasure, you will bear the brand mark of pleasure. If you worship money, you will bear that mark. You worship other people's attention, you will bear that brand mark. If you're a compromised Christian, you'll have compromise written all over you. After 35 years, I can see that branding. If you worship self, you will bear that brand mark. But if you are a worshiper of Jesus Christ, if you are Christ's slave, as Paul is, do not trouble me. I bear the brand marks of Jesus Christ. Believe you me, you bear the brand mark of Jesus Christ. You will acquire it. He'll give it to you out of love. Every believer in Jesus Christ can have that unique mark, that unique branding that distinguishes you from every other believer in the world and their brand mark, their branding. That thing that God does in your life which is unique to you from every other Christian, there is that thing in your life, that unique brand mark. However, there is a brand mark amongst Christians that is the common denominator, it's, it's, it's every Christian has this brand mark, uh, or sh- I should say every Christian should have this brand mark in common. Although some do not, but it's the brand mark of grace. Grace is branded onto their countenance, their soul, their face. Grace. There's a brand mark there. I bear on my body, my face, the brand mark of Jesus Christ. Let's go to the next verse, the final verse of Galatians, this glorious book we've been in for eleven months. This is his last sentence to them, brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, be with your Spirit Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your Spirit Amen. when you receive grace as opposed to pushing it away and you get it, you get it, you get the grace of God. Sometimes it takes years but when you get it, it has been branded on your soul. Now, who is the man, who is the woman who has that brand mark of grace on their life? I'm going to, close up this glorious book with that well I want to go back to the words of Jesus Mark Matthew 21 31 Jesus speaking to the religious leaders I've quoted this on a number of times. he's speaking to men who were considered the most religious, the most holy, the men who followed the law more than anyone, at least by all appearances, the the chief priests, the elders, the Pharisees, and to these religious leaders, he says in Matthew 21, 31, he says the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. Wowza. Can I have that again, John? Thank you. The tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. Los recaudadores de impuestos y las rameras entran en el reino de Dios antes de que ustedes And they were all up in his face when he said it. Tax collector is basically a byword, same kind of word, trust me, for thief. They were the thieves of their day. The thieves and the prostitutes enter the kingdom of God before you. It would be like if Jesus today confronting a group of pastors who by all appearances had good marriages, good families. They cannot be accused of breaking any law. They know the Bible inside and out. And he said to them, the prostitutes, the pimps, the drug addicts, the drugs, the drunks, the thieves are entering the kingdom of God before you. Why did he say this? There in Matthew twenty-one thirty-one. The thieves and the prostitutes enter the kingdom of God before you. By the way, the kingdom of God, what does that mean? The kingdom of God is Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ himself. His first message, as well as the message of John the Baptist, first message, first, first message was the kingdom of God is here or is among you. Meaning what? Jesus is here. The son of God is here. The living God is here among us. When you enter into the kingdom of God, you enter into a fully shared relationship with Jesus in which he is fully sharing his love with you, his protection, his power with you. All things of God become yours when you enter the kingdom of God. So, but why did he say this? The prostitutes and thieves enter the kingdom of God before you, why did he say that? Well, he answers it in the very next verse in Matthew, Matthew twenty one thirty two, uh, which says this, but the tax collectors and prostitutes believed, but you refused to believe. So, hear me out here. Because the prostitutes and the thieves understood, they got it, that the only thing they could offer God was believing Jesus, who he was and what he did, and that they they knew that there was nothing else they could offer God. They had trashed their life and they knew it. And, and, and there was nothing else they could give God but their belief. They believed in him. They couldn't go to God and say, well, God, I've obeyed this law really good, so can you accept me? God, can I have, now I've obeyed that law, can you accept me? They, they had trashed their lives. They had broken every law 10,000 times over. They understood it was all about grace. So Jesus goes to all these holy people and he says, they're entering the kingdom of God. And you're being left out because you think you have something to offer God. Do you think, there, are you among us today? Do you think there's something that you can do for God to deserve an everlasting relationship with him? Are you really gonna add to the blood of of the Son of God, the purchase price are you going to try to say, well i'll add my penny to the priceless blood of Jesus Christ so the the thieves and the prostitutes they understood it was all about grace the religious leaders, the chief priests, the Pharisees, the elders, they were doing the exact opposite they were saying, God, I've obeyed this law really good uh, God I, I know you accept me. I've obeyed uh, that law really good. I, I know that you uh, accept me. And, and Jesus, I think the best illustration I can think of uh, along these lines in Luke chapter 18, uh, Jesus, it says that um, he spoke a parable about some who trusted in themselves that they were good. Jesus says in Luke 18.10, there were two men. They went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, really holy man. The other was a tax collector, a thief. And verse 11 says, the Pharisee stood and prayed to himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, the unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector, this thief who's here with me. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. But the tax collector, the thief, standing far off, he couldn't even raise his eyes to heaven. He beat himself and said, God, be merciful to me. I'm a sinner. There's nothing I could offer you other than believing you. Jesus says in verse 14 of Luke 18, he says, I tell you, that man, the thief, went to his house justified before God because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. I'm gonna close with this. What does it mean to have, what does it mean to have the brand mark of Christ on your life, supremely, more than anything else. It's to understand the grace of God. Listen to me, Calvary Chapel. I, th- I appreciate your patience. Just a few more minutes. It's to understand the grace of God in such a way that you've walked away from sin. Book of Romans, chapter 6. Verse 14 says, sin will not continue to control you because you're not under law, but under grace. To truly bear that branding of Jesus Christ on you, on your face, on your countenance, is to get the connection between your sin, that record, that long history of sin that the Bible says every human being has, and understand the connection to it, to that mutilated, pulverized, bloody body on the cross. And it's such a horrifying thought to you that you caused that, but he went through that to purchase you. He loved you that much. So much so, the thought of continuing in your sin is the craziest thought in the world. Again, John, can we have that? Romans chapter six. Sin will not continue to control you because you are not under the law but under grace. So you have the brand mark of Jesus Christ on you and specifically that we're talking about the brand mark of the grace of Jesus Christ. When you get it, when you get it, what Jesus Christ did for you, and you become so in love with him, you stop loving sin and you walk away from it. We're gonna close the service now uh, just with a worship song. If you could come up if you've been asked to pray at this time. so thankful for this book that has taught us so much about God's love for us if you could stand just for a closing worship song we're going to have a time of worship we're going to have a time of prayer you can stand at this time if you've been asked to pray please come up Perhaps your heart is stirring, you want to understand grace in such a way that you walk away from sin. If you find yourself being controlled by sin, by some sin, the Bible teaches we just saw the book of Romans, it's because you don't understand grace. Because if you did understand it, you'd walk away from it. I'm just quoting the Bible. Don't throw stones at the messenger. It's what we just read. You're not no longer under control of sin. No longer under its dominion because you're under grace, not the law. Or perhaps you know that you have a brand mark on your life, but it isn't because. You cut off a hand, cut off a foot, or plucked out an eye, as Jesus says, Mark 9. It's a different kind of brand. It's just the brand of the world. You've never, ever come to Jesus and given up living your life without him. The Bible says you have a long, eternal condemnation in hell. If you do not invite the son of god the king of the world the king of the universe to come in your life it says he's knocking on your door have you ever said yeah come in not just as a as a a guest but as my permanent savior my permanent lord if you've never done that please come up it's the grace of god god so loved you he died for you for anything anything else though is just stirring in your heart and you want to come up to pray please do so at this time Father we thank you we thank you for this glorious book we thank you Lord for the word of God oh how the word of God exalts a nation exalts a people exalts a man, exalts a woman, how it builds us up. Father, I pray that you draw us, continue drawing us to you as we close out the service. In Jesus' name.